Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Welcome in another edition of Green and Growing. How are we doing we are doing just fine here at least i am i haven't checked with marzian to see how he's doing yet uh you can follow nathan marzian on twitter at nathan marzian you can follow me at sparky radio check out all uh, the fun interviews that i do over at 1250 am com. i have not done a super bowl interview yet but uh, as of monday night as we're doing this i don't plan on doing a super bowl interview either because it doesn't really include the the packers but i did do a curry long podcast uh, on monday you can check that out in relation to the packers and how far away they are from, say, the Chiefs or the San Francisco 49ers. Download that on your Odyssey app today, as well as your Spotify, Apple, wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Nathan Marzian, how are you doing, my friend? I see that uh, the Marquette Golden Eagles uh, hanging out now in the top five, uh, once again, in the standings. That has to put a smile on your face, I would assume. Yeah, I'm doing very good. These past couple of days have been good to my basketball team, so these are this is probably the best that the vibes have been basically since the beginning of the season um, with both of these teams. So I'm, I am happy and it's just good to see the bucks playing better again um, and getting wins. I think that they've been playing better for a couple of weeks now, but the the wins weren't really coming. They were playing, you know, without several key guys, but still missing Chris, but they played awesome tonight. And, you know, again, obviously, as you said, Marquette top five, they're rolling. So it is, it's a good time to be a bucks and uh Marquette basketball fan. I don't know. Are the Badgers playing well right now? Basketball? I haven't no, checked. You know, and I, I, I feel I feel actually carrying out partly I feel partly responsible for that, to be honest with you. Cause uh last week I interviewed Jim Polzine, columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal for the 1250 website. Uh, and they had lost a couple, and I was like, a ah, big deal, a couple losses, whatever else. And I put on there, you know, Jim Polzine talks Badger's success this season is the name of it, and everything was positive about the interview, and they haven't won since. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm just I'm hoping I didn't completely jinx them necessarily. Uh, you know, that's a whole nother topic if we did a college basketball one as far as who really is the better coach, Shaka or Greg Gard. I think that would be a fun conversation and a conversation to be had or a debate to be had. I'm sure you've had it on Twitter over the years uh, or the last couple of years, but I would like to have one on the radio station if I ever get a local show back. So we'll probably just do it here on the podcast at some point in the offseason. Uh, okay, Nathan Marzian, Bucks win 112-95 to over the Denver Nuggets. We'll start with that. I also want to get into Giannis MVP conversation with Joel Embiid now uh, out uh, of that conversation. Uh, opens the door probably for Giannis. We'll get to that. Uh, thoughts on what we've seen here so far with Patrick Beverly. And for the record, I still can't stand that dude. Um, still a punk. Uh, nothing has changed from my perspective on that whatsoever. He's our punk, um, and I get that. But that that crap that he pulled over the weekend where he goes running up and bumps that dude, uh, that was ridiculous. It just was. It, you know, Thanasis is up and cheering. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Ha, ha, ha. Right. And if he would have won and did that to Giannis on an opposing team, the Nassas would have wanted to fight him. So, I mean, again, I get it. He's on your team. Now it's funny. Now everybody's cheering. Yay, bad Bev. Okay. But just understand that he is going to do that. 
and it's going to happen in the playoffs. He's going to do some dumb stuff like that in the playoffs. And you're, it's going to instigate a shoving match and so forth. Do you know what I was thinking about, Marzam? Do you know where he should have got traded to that would have fit him perfectly? The Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, that he would have fit in perfect on that basketball team down in Miami, more so than necessarily here. But they've played better with them, no question. Defensively, they've played better. Uh, they look better. He's an extension of the coaching staff, like we said when we talked about it after uh, the trades went down on Thursday night. I said, I like it because he knows Doc's system. He knows how this all works. Uh, and it's pretty much played out to that point. Like There is a different energy when he comes off the bench that first time and it's happened so far every time he's come off the bench. Now, it's early, small sample size. Will it happen every time? Don't know. But so far, you can definitely tell when he's on the floor. Yeah, for sure. And that's all you wanted from him is just be a defensive presence, be someone that you can you can definitely, as you said, tell when he's on the floor. You can see the impact he's making, kind of like like we've seen you know several times with Andre Jackson this year where he comes in and it's like, okay, you notice him kind of flying around. You notice him pressing guys up near half court and getting in there you know, right up in their space. So he's done, you know, he hasn't been anything spectacular through two games, but it's like nobody's expecting him to be. And he's just got to be someone that can provide you some defensive resistance and really be that kind of spark plug off the bench on on defense. But man, overall, this team, like I don't want to I don't want to give too much credit just to Patrick Beverly because this whole team has been and I know it really just from the if you're looking at the scores it's really only been the last two games that they have had good defensive performances. When you look at the, at the number of points they're giving up, but I'm telling you, it's been basically a week and a half, two weeks now of mainly good defensive performances. It started two weeks ago against the nuggets uh, on the road, doc's first game coaching. And um, I want to say they gave up like in the one ten somewhere in there. And they were, you know, I think it was one thirteen, one Oh seven, something like that. Played a good defensive game in that game. The really, the only really bad loss has been to Portland. Cause that was a game. You were fully healthy. You're playing a bad Portland team and you know, they lost that game. But um, other than that, like all these games have been either games that they were just very shorthanded, but most of them, they've still played well defensively. They played well defensively against the Suns, Um, And then, you know, the Hornets, you could say, well, it's the Hornets, but they did it tonight. Now again, against the nuggets that the defensive intensity has just been so much better. They look so much more active. Everyone tonight. I think every single player that was on the court tonight, was pretty locked in defensively. Dame was good defensively. Beasley was pretty locked in defensively. Bobby Portis was a lot better than he's been defensively for most of the season. Um, obviously, Pat Bev, Pat Connaughton had some nice plays defensively. AJ Green's been really good defensively. Like they all were just locked in. And sometimes it, it you know, I feel like this was what we've seen from them for a lot of a lot of the big games. It seems like you know, in that Denver Nuggets or in that um, Boston game. Uh, they played pretty well defensively early in the season when they or not early in, in the season, but like a month ago when they destroyed Boston, they've had some other bigger games like that, you know, again, two weeks ago against the Nuggets that they started to lock in defensively. And the fact that they're doing it more consistently now is what makes me happy. It's not just happening against good teams. It's happening. You know, again, we just saw it against the Hornets in a game where they could have gotten lax a days ago. They could have, you know, really come out and let the Hornets hang around with them. No, they didn't. They completely shut them down. Um, held both of these teams to under 100 points. Again, I, this isn't something that just started today. I feel like a lot of people are going to think that, oh, you know, really just these last th- today and the last two games are the only times their defense has looked good. This has been about two weeks now. This has been solid defense for about two weeks. And even that Jazz game that they lost um, on the second end of a back-to-back, they played great defense for three quarters in that game. And then the Jazz went crazy in the fourth. And it was like, okay, you know, you, you can live with one bad quarter on the second end of a back-to-back, but 
to play this many good defensive quarters and have this many good defensive stretches is something we have not seen from them consistently all season long. We never saw it with Griff. And it just seems like they have, there's so much more buy-in with Doc. And someone tweeted that, I retweeted it during the game where they said, you know, buy-in is such an important thing for a coach and Griff never seemed to have it. Um, those guys just never seemed to be all in, you know, especially that core was never really all in on, on the defensive scheme, the offensive scheme, anything he was doing. And with, with doc, you can just tell that they are way more bought in and that they are giving just more effort on, on the defensive end consistently. So it's been very, very nice to see. Um, how do I say this without pissing off a bunch of people? Um, what did that say about the character of the players on this basketball team? that they're giving more effort for a different coach than they were giving for the last coach. Shouldn't the effort be pretty much the same because you're playing to win basketball games and you're playing to, you know, get to the next level, regardless of who the hell the coach is uh, at this point. I don't disagree with you. I agree. The energy, especially in transition is far better than what it was before. Jay Crowder, a plus dude, by the way, I've never had an issue with Crowder hustling, but like if you watch them coming back on uh, coming back down the floor, he's always running hard getting back. Can't say that necessarily for everybody all the time, but Crowder's one of those guys that's always hustling getting back. I saw Ty Windish uh, of the Eurostep podcast we have on from time to time. Him and his buddy Rohan Cotty, they do a great job. Uh, and I saw him tweet out earlier, uh, quote tweeted an old tweet of his from like January twenty third or something, where he pretty much told Bucks fans, "Look." I don't care if Doc Rivers is coming in here or whoever. It's not going to matter. Not going to do anything. This team isn't going to be any, that much different than they were under Adrian Griffin or Joe Prunty. He quote tweeted that tweet. It pretty much said, yeah, I screwed up. I was wrong. This, this is much better than kind of what they've been under the last two. It says numerous things. Number one, it says, like you said, maybe the buy-in wasn't there. Number two, it puts into perspective and question what exactly was Matumbo and Griffin and Prunty teaching these guys that Doc was able to fix within a couple of days. Well, literally, like a couple of days. They played in Denver. That was a West Coast trip. And immediately in walkthroughs, he's installing stuff with his terminology, and the defense was essentially fixed that quick to where you saw them make progress that quick. Griffin and that coaching staff had an entire damn training camp to figure this out with this group. And I know he got thrown Lillard. Fine. But Doc knew what he had. And he figured it out quick uh, and made the correct changes. And now this basketball team that hasn't looked like this necessarily all year long now really does look like a team that we all thought it should have looked like at the start of the season. Right, Nathan? Now this looks like a team that you go, okay, this is a team that can compete to come out of the East and, and contend for an NBA Finals. And I think when Adrian Griffin was here, even though their record was good, I feel like a lot of people questioned how far they could really get with Adrian Griffin. Yeah. And again, rightfully so. I mean, I was, again, one of those people, I was holding out hope because I didn't think he was getting fired. We talked about this many times. Did I. We just were like, this is the guy for the season. You know, we're going to have to have to hope it will get better. Look for any signs. It will get better. Um, there weren't many, but you know, it was just, you're kind of just like, okay, let's, let's hope that this, they can turn this thing around, but it was taking just so much longer than expected. And, you know, they just were still struggling to ever blow teams out, let alone good teams. You know, the really, the only time they did it was against Boston. And, um, you know, again, for Doc to come in and to, to all of a sudden, I mean, I'm looking at the defensive ratings they've had basically since he's gotten here, even, even the, the game before the, this is including the game before, um, Adrian Griffin got fired. It's that last Pistons game. 
Um, they now have in 10 of their last 12 games, they've allowed a defensive rating better than 114, which is basically a borderline top 10 defensive rating. Like I think the 10th best team has about a 114 defensive rating. So 10 of the last 12 games, they've been that good defensively. And I think according my numbers are correct here. My counting is correct. They only did that in about 15 of the first 42 games. So it's just been so much more consistent from a, a what they're allowing defensively. And again, one of those that they didn't allow that good of a defensive rating was that jazz game where they were good for three quarters. It was just one terrible quarter right. that killed them. So I don't even like, even that game wasn't like some terrible defensive game. Then, um, you know, the other one came when it was, they were very shorthanded. So it's just been so much, so much more consistent immediately, basically since that firing happened, they've just all of a sudden been more locked in. They seem to just be rotating better. They seem to be giving more effort. They seem to be, you know, they're not pressing up as, as, as high that the scheme just looks better. So, um, it's been a combination of several things, but they finally look to be in a position where their defense is not going to consistently kill them. This isn't going to consistently be them outscoring teams, one thirty-eight to one thirty-two. And that will still happen. Sometimes they're still going to have bad defensive games. They're not going to be great, you know, from here on out. It's not like they're just going to be an amazing defensive team, but they don't need to be amazing. They just needed, we've said all year, just don't be bad. Don't be 20th, 25th, 27th, be, you know, 12th, 14th, somewhere in there where you say, okay, if you have the 12th best defense and the second best offense, first best offense, yeah, you can win a championship that way. You know, that's perfectly fine. So, um, it's just good to see that they finally have that buy-in and they finally seem to be really, you know, showing some competence on that end of the court because we know what their offense will be when, when they're all healthy, it still hasn't even, you know, this wasn't even their, their best offensive game. It was a good offensive game, but um, you know, you, you still didn't get a ton from Damian. He had a nice little stretch there in the third quarter, but the refs kind of took him out of this game early with a few foul, dumb foul calls. And um, you know, you didn't have Chris. So it's like this offense still was not even close to at full strength or full firepower, but you're still, they were just, they've looked so much better. So again, it's just so many good signs from these last couple of games. I'm not sure which referee you dislike the most in the NBA, which referee you see. And you're just like, Oh God, here we go. It's Scott Foster for me. I mean, I, I, I don't know about everybody else. Well, I mean, Chris Paul, I think agrees with me, but for, for me, Scott Foster is the guy that I, I just, I don't, I just cannot stand seeing Scott Foster, uh, roughing a, a, a Bucks NBA game. Do you have a referee that you really just cannot stand when you see him on the floor in a Bucks game? You're like, oh boy, here we go. It's going to be a long night again. It's got to, well, it's definitely, I mean, Scott Foster's always one. And then um, I know like Tony Brothers isn't very good either. And then the guy that, I don't remember what his name is, but the guy that ejected Giannis earlier in the season and then he was doing another Bucks game. Like, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was the exact same teams. It might've been Bucks Pistons again. Um, when they played him in that back-to-back right so um i don't know i that guy all of a sudden is on my list again i don't know his name so i guess that's good for him that i don't like that's the problem is if you're a ref and they know your name it's probably not a good thing you know you want to be the ref. yeah yeah so i guess it's good that i don't know his name but i just know that that guy made me upset when he kicked Giannis out for looking at a guy for two seconds what about the bobby portis ejection tonight in this game against the nuggets where he fakes punting the ball and then just tosses it up in the air and our buddy scott foster double tees him uh and kicks him out of the game and again the game was over um and i'm watching the game and Kay goes to me she's like what is he getting all upset about the game's over like why, why are you getting so emotional there nothing is going on here but bobby portis was hot 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 and had been hot he walks up the floor doc rivers looks at him 
talks to him. He's like, dude, you pretty much you just got kicked out. He knew he got kicked out. Bobby vents the doc about it. Doc's like, all right, man, you're good. Go, go back, take a shower. It's all done. Um, I, I, again, I mean, you like the competitiveness and all that type of stuff, but but why deal with a fine and all, and losing money when a game was done, man? Like, you got to be able to pull yourself a little bit. I know, but these guys are competitive. They just they and I I want to give the Bucks some extra credit tonight because and I don't usually complain about the refs, but I'm going to do it here, and I think it's valid to do it when your team wins, especially in blowout fashion, because it shows that hey, I, I my team won, and I'm still going to sure you know complain about the refs a little bit. Not just going to do it when they lose, but um that first quarter especially, and it kind of went on throughout the game, but that first quarter especially was seriously I think the worst officiating I've seen all year, like from in any game where I was like. This is nuts. They had two times Dame got fouled yes. and didn't get the call. Then he had like two calls on him, two calls on Giannis that were BS on the other end that took both of them out of the game. You had like a missed travel on Jokic and then a phantom foul. You had like guys are stepping out of bounds and they're not caught like Aaron Gordon's out of bounds on the baseline. They're not calling it. I was like, is this a joke? Like what in the heck is going on? Um, it was, it was just incredible. And so I want to give the Bucks extra credit for, Still, you know, despite having that awful officiated first quarter that genuinely I think was probably six or seven points in favor of the Nuggets because you gen- you genuinely took four points off the board for Dame and then you took out those guys with getting both of them two fouls. You took both of them out of the game for like three minutes longer than they should have been. Um, I know the Bucks actually played pretty well in that stretch, but still they like basically gave the Nuggets points and you were still up five at the end of the first. They They really did play a, a good, you know, game throughout here to to be able to be in control that much with bad officiating. And again, with Dane being basically out of the game, he comes in, gets another terrible call for his third foul where he has to come out of the game like right away again. And it was just like, man, he the refs have literally taken him out of the game and the Bucks were still dominating. So it was it was good to see. By the way, how how awesome do you think it is and how like refreshing do you think it is for Dame to be like the dude's in foul trouble. He puts up four points in the first half and his team is up 20 on the, the reigning champs. Like that's no just doubt. such a, such a different, you know, thing that he, then he's had all of his career where he's just been carrying teams. And, you know, in a game like this, we'd need to put up 40, 45 points. It's like, it's gotta be so nice for him to just kind of watch Giannis do his thing, watch the rest of these guys, you know, pick up the slack a little bit and, you know, he can be in foul trouble and not have to put up a ton of shots. And it's just kind of like they're, we're still cruising. So uh, that was just something I was, I kind of noticed in the first half where I just thought about it in the first half. I, I would like to uh, address one other player on this roster. If, if, if you don't mind, uh, because we're getting to a level now with this said player that is sad. Maybe. I don't know. No, I thought uh, we were going to talk happy. I thought we were going to talk about AJ green. No, 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 Mm-mm. not AJ green. Uh, talk about a different player that I, I really think we're getting to the point of this. Kind of thing. Is it, are we going to have the Giannis conversation? No, nope, not Giannis, Giannis either. The Giannis MVP needs, conversation is next after we no, get Giannis might need, I, do we need to talk about like, when do we, when do we talk about upgrading Giannis? Cause it seems like he's being a little selfish out there taking all these shots. Well, hopefully. Game. Yeah. Okay. You're trolling now, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to let you troll like Hendrick Perkins who called this a must win game on ESPN. Apparently earlier tonight for the box. It's a must win game from Milwaukee. They got to win this one. Hey, and, what, and I, I don't follow NBA on ESPN. I certainly don't follow Kendrick Perkins. And I saw people replying to him that I follow. And I'm like, guys, he's just trolling all of you. Would you quit 
please just reacting to all the crap he says the man's a walking troll just let just go away from Kendrick Perkins I'm telling you I'm getting to the point if I see people retweeting anything that dude says I'm just gonna stop following you because I'm done I, I don't want to deal with it anymore but that's not what I wanted to talk about I'm talking about Thanasis for a second okay so Thanasis got gone after got gone after hard on social media a couple of weeks back for how bad he looked and pulled clips from highlights or whatever else it was so bad. Marcus Johnson brought it up on the air of people being hard on Thanasis and da, 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 da. Okay, fine. Then over the weekend, Thanasis, I'm guessing he's been working on this for months, does the whole sham God dribble thing, right? Beats the defender, scores, goes crazy. Social media lights up. Everybody's retweeting it. Da, 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 da. So tonight he comes into the game in usual victory cigar formation, comes into the game and the crowd goes crazy. All right, we're at home. He's in the game. Let's go. Every time the, the guy touches the, sh- the ball and it takes a shot, everybody's like, oh, 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 that's all every time. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of when you're watching, uh, you, you're at a, your kid's youth game or whatever the case may be, and there's that kid on the team that is like horrible, like doesn't belong on the team, like end of the bench, whatever the case may be. And it could be at any level. It could be T-ball. It could be all the way up, right? But usually every team at this level, I'm not talking about travel ball because travel ball, normally most of the kids are pretty decent. But I'm just talking like the youth little league or whatever. And when that kid makes contact after you know, striking out, not doing anything, everybody cheers. It could be a foul ball. It doesn't matter. You're going to cheer because you feel good that that kid made contact. Like that's going to put a smile on his face. You're happy for him. I feel like that's the level we've reached with the Nassus. I really do. I feel like as a fan base, we've now become those proud parents of, oh my God, he made a basket. Yay. We're so happy for you. He's an NBA player. Can we act like he's an NBA player getting paid money? Please, can we act like it? Because we are now at the point of acting like he's the worst kid on like the Little League team that never makes contact with the ball. That's what it feels like right now as this fan base is kind of like hoping he makes a basket. It's It's sad. It's really, really sad. Sparky, not every NBA player should be expected to come in and like they can, they can, you know, Play good ball. Like some of these guys are end of the bench. They're just whatever. And the teams do this. This would happen all the time with like some of these meme type of players, like Brian Scalabrini back in the day. Right. He was the victory cigar for the Bulls. So yeah, when he yeah. came in, it was over, and everybody was starting yeah. chanting Scalabrini. Like Scalabrini. Yes. Correct. Like it's, we're not like we're the only fan base who's ever done this for a player. Like it's yeah. more just like about because it's funny and it's just it's it's fun to like want the NASA to do something funny. Um, do something cool. Like if he makes a bucket, no, it's cool. You said it. I know do something funny. You're right. Yes, because it is funny, dude. Like, exactly that move. Yeah, that move he had on Friday night. Oh my goodness! Like that was amazing. Like it was just, it was hilarious. It was, it was a great move. It was. It just, was a great like, move. How yeah, can you not love that? How can you? Yeah, and it blew yeah. up on social media. It was. Yeah, of course hilarious. it did. It was the Nassus. Yes, of yeah. course it blew up, and it was Sham God's move. I tell yeah. you. Okay, whatever. I just had to get that out because it's been driving me nuts since that that whole thing blew up. When he came in tonight and the crowd reacted the way they did to him, I was like, oh my God, we've reached that point with this dude. That's We're kind of throwing a pity party every time he's in the game uh, for Thanasis at this point. All right, take a quick time. I'll come back. Other side. I want to talk about Giannis's MVP chances uh, of winning this thing. Because let's be honest, back in November, December, I don't think Nathan nor I thought he really had a legitimate shot at probably winning MVP. But with MB now out because of missed games, 
This kind of opens the race back up a little bit, I think. We'll talk about that next. Green and Growing Podcast. Download it on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast app. That's up next. HC Sparky, 5 for 1250 AM, The Fan. Check out the interviews I do over there at 1250amthefan.com. Nathan Marzian is over there. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Bucks crush, and I mean crush, the defending champion Denver Nuggets in Milwaukee uh, earlier this evening before we record this podcast, which is a beautiful thing. Let's now talk about Giannis a little bit here. And kind of where do you think he stands right now in this MVP race, Nathan? Uh, and if you know, you're know you listening to the podcast and you want to tweet at us, you can do that uh, as well. Let us know where you think Giannis stands. Is he in the top three in the MVP race now? I, I feel like he's in the top three for the MVP race, especially now that Embiid is out of the race because of games played. Yeah, Embiid, Embiid obviously would have been the front runner with the season he was having, but he's out now. Um, I, I mean, it's basically... He's for sure in the top four. I think he should be top two. If not, I mean, honestly, I think there's a decent argument for him to be one. And I'm not saying I expect him to win it, but if you actually look at how good he's been, there is more than like there is definitely an argument for him to be one. The Bucks are, you know, they, I, I know it hasn't been great this season, but they are, you know, the number three team in the East right now. This isn't like they're sitting at the seventh seed or something. Um, the guys that he's really competing with are Shea Gilgis-Alexander, uh, Jokic, of course, is always in there, and I think Luka would be the other one. It's kind of those guys, and then it's Giannis. Um, I, look, Giannis is averaging his highest point total of his career. He's averaging his highest assists of his career. He's shooting the best percentage from the floor of his career. He's gotten his mid-range going lately. He's gotten even his three-point going a little bit lately. He's... I mean, in, in my opinion, better on defense than any of those guys. I know Shea's a pretty good defender, but Giannis is better on defense than than him, and Giannis is better on defense than Jokic or Luka by far. So I'm just saying I think there's a decent argument for Giannis to be the MVP. Um, when you just his efficiency has been absurd. Like it's the the number of games where he's putting up like 60, 70% from the field has been remarkable. Um, I want to say, I'm going to look at the numbers right now really quick, but this was his 30th game out of 52 this season that he shot 60% from the field or better. And to put that into perspective, he did that in 23 out of 60, 62 games last year. Um, so he did it in about a third of his games last year and he's doing it in almost two thirds of his games this year. It's just like, and, and this, I mean, credit can go to Dame too, for the, the gravity he takes off of Giannis and allowing him to have more one-on-one opportunities, but the efficiency has been like mind boggling and it's just, he's, he's been so, so good. The, the, the passing, I think he's averaging like eight point something assists over the last like month and a half which is the best in that long of a stretch um, in his whole career. So like he's becoming like almost a triple double type of guy. Right. And it's, you know, I I know he's not, he doesn't have crazy, a crazy number of triple doubles, but it's like he's having more games where he's getting eight, nine, 10 assists, 11 assists than he'd had in the past. And it's just like the offense is running through him and it's been, you know, really, really good. I mean, I think people still want to see it run a little bit more through Dame at times, but like he has been 
a fantastic, fantastic um, number one option this year. And it's just, it's been, it's been great to watch. And I think people are kind of underrating it because the Bucks have been in air quotes, disappointing. Um, even though the, you know, the record has been good. Giannis has not been the reason for that disappointment at all, but I just think people have kind of overlooked him as an MVP candidate. Cause when you think of, you know, the best teams right now, you're not really thinking of the Bucks because they've been kind of disappointing. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the best teams. The Boston Celtics have the best record in basketball. 77% win percentage. I did not hear a Celtic get named in the MVP race. Well, yeah. Minnesota no. has the best win percentage, 69% in the West. I did not hear a Minnesota Timberwolf get named in that conversation. The Clippers are second uh it, or the it's second in the West, third in basketball. I did not Kawhi, hear a Clipper. Kawhi could be there. Kawhi, I, I forgot to mention Kawhi. He could be there. Okay, so Kawhi. Uh, then Cleveland, no, no mention there of Cleveland. Oklahoma City uh, then uh, is in that conversation as well. Gilgus Alexander. Now, again, the Bucks are at 64%. Oklahoma City's at almost 68% winning percentage. Then Denver is at 66, almost 67%. That's to me, if he's going to win this, he's going to, they're going to have to be at least second in the East. I don't think they're going to catch Boston. But they at least got to be second in the East in front of Cleveland. I think they've got to be there. And, and I think the win percentage has to be a lot closer than it is currently to say Oklahoma City, the Clippers, uh, and Denver. Uh, because otherwise, that could possibly work against them. I mean, the man's coach got fired in the middle of the season. Like, has anybody ever won an MVP whose coach got fired in the middle of the season? Has that ever happened in NBA history? See, I got you stumped now. I don't know. I got you stumped now, huh? I don't, know how, I, do. I don't know how to look this up. I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> I don't know how I to look these, it up either. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, I'm fair on coaching and fired middle, middle of the season. They go, oh, yeah, that's why MVP is coach got fired middle of the year. That, to me, that's a that's a tough sell. I agree with you on the numbers. Like, numbers-wise, he should be. I mean, yeah, but I'm with you uh, all the way. I just think there's some things that go into this where if you're voting, like, okay, I'm going to vote Giannis as MVP and his coach got fired. He kind of had a saying who his coach was going to be. That dude got canned. But he's the MVP of the league. I mean, I guess he's kind of the MVP of the league because did Giannis have any say in getting Griffin essentially booted out of here to get Doc Rivers into it? I don't think he did. Uh, but if he did, then maybe he was the MVP after all. He made a hire, made a mistake, got rid of him, uh, and then helped to bring Doc Rivers here. I don't know. And I, again, this is all this is all just me just talking, spitballing here uh, about Giannis. But if it's based on numbers. I think he's the MVP. If it's just based on numbers and what he does, I think Giannis is the MVP. I guess my second one would be SGA, right? I mean, that's probably my second guy. I, I don't, I haven't watched enough of Kawhi this year in the Clippers to know one way or the other what he's doing. Um, you would know more about that than I do. I don't watch a ton of Clipper basketball. Um, but to me, it would be Giannis and SGA uh, and then Joker. But if Denver continues to fall down the standings in the West, uh, and the Bucks go up, I would think that would take the Joker out of it because before, Denver's been the one seed, and that's how Joker wins it. Denver's the three or the four in the West. I don't see how he wins it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, he has the same thing with Giannis where if they are third or worse in their conference, it's probably going to go to someone else because they want to give it to someone new at that point. Like, if you're just going based on how good they are on the court when they're out there, Giannis and Jokic are probably always going to be, you know, one and two in that conversation. I think that they are the two best players in the league. Um, 
you know, and beat in the regular season. Sure. You can throw him in there, but he just isn't playing enough games, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I'm not predicting that Giannis will win it or that, um, you know, I just, I, as you said, with the coach getting fired, with them being pretty disappointing for most of this season, um, I, and just the narrative around them, I don't see him winning the, the, the MVP, but just looking at how he's been on the court, like there is surely an argument for it because of the efficiency stuff. I mean, we're used to him putting up 30, 10 and five, 30, 12 and five, whatever. Like that's what he's done for five years, but to do it on over 60% from the field, no player in NBA history has ever put up 30 plus points a game on 60 plus percent shooting from the field ever. Nobody ever Wilt Chamberlain, anyone. And so it's like, when you look at it, you're like, okay, I mean, I know obviously his field goal percentage is going to be higher than the average players because of where he gets his shots. But I don't care if you're getting higher percentage shots, you're getting higher percentage shots. Like I, I don't feel bad about that just because he's seven foot tall. Like that makes him a better player. So nobody has ever scored this many points on, you know, this efficiently from the field as Giannis has done, just getting to his spots, getting close to the paint, the, the touch around the rim has been better than it has been in you know his whole career. And he's gotten a little bit of that in between game down a, a little bit again. And as I said, you know, his three point shot has got, come around just a little bit like lately, um, the last month or so and the mid range stuff. So, and, and then, I mean, again, I already mentioned it, but the passing, like the passing has been another thing that you're like, okay, he's scoring more efficiently than he ever has before. And he's also, you know, creating shots for others better than he ever has, has before. And he's just the, a better playmaker than he ever, ever has been before. So just several aspects of his game. I look at and say, okay, well he won two MVPs and he's a lot better in these aspects right now than he was during those MVP seasons. I don't think anyone besides Embiid is having a ridiculously good enough season to justify like, okay, give them the award for sure over, you know, Giannis who is now better than he was in his two MVP seasons. So that's why I'm like, he should have just as good a chance as anyone. Like there's not, that that guy now that Embiid's out of it, there's not that guy that's averaging 36 points a game on ridiculous, you know, and just putting up 40 points every night. I know Luca's got he's averaging a lot of points, but um, I don't think it's as many as Embiid was, and not as consistently. But I just I think Giannis has as good a chance, or not as good a chance, but he has as good of an argument statistically and just looking at his performance on the court as anyone. And if he can if he can continue to put up these type of ridiculous numbers and this type of ridiculous efficiency and the bucks do climb up a little bit and get to like second. And as you said, maybe, maybe get to the win percentage of the the nuggets, the thunder, the Clippers. Okay. Then people might look at it and say, what's the argument not to give it to him besides his coach getting fired, which the coach didn't get fired because they were losing a ton of games and like really, really struggling. They were just not looking up to their potential. It what So it's not like, I don't know. It's a little bit different type of coach firing than the average coach firing where you're 17 and 30 and you fire your coach. Right. I, I, I will say one other thing. I mean, he really is a seven or eight game winning streak away from being the number one seed for the MVP race. I think, I mean, if this box team wins say seven or eight games in a row, you win seven or eight games in a row and Giannis is putting up these type of numbers in that stretch, then all these talking heads are going to be like, Hey, Doc Rivers in the box. Look at Giannis's numbers. You know, it looks like he's going to be the MVP this year. They put together seven or eight wins in a row uh, and do it in this type of, of fashion, how they did to Denver. I think then then you're legitimately right in it. But if this continues to be, uh, you know, win to lose one, win to lose one situation uh, the rest of the year, which is still good, nothing wrong with it. 
then you really don't get that type of momentum that Giannis probably needs to win the thing. Uh, he is Nathan Marzian. Follow him on Twitter at Nathan Marzian. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Like, subscribe. Uh, ring that bell for notifications of when we're uh, going live and doing these podcasts, which normally we do them always live. Uh, Thursday night, it's Bucks Memphis. Uh, Marzian, do we know if we're going before or after the game on Thursday? It's uh, it's going to be your call, uh, and I'll let you make that call a little bit later in the week. Bucks and Heat tomorrow night. That will be a fun one uh, as well. We'll talk to you on Thursday one way or the other, and then the podcasts are always posted on your Odyssey app or you download your favorite podcast at on Tuesday and Friday mornings. First thing when you get up, you can go download it, listen to it while you work out at the gym or on your way into work, whatever the case may be. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good one. Toodles. Toodles.